Well, I'm going to introduce to you somebody that most of you need no introduction for, but in case you're visiting with us or you're relatively new at Eastminster, let me tell you a little bit about our speaker, Mike Jaderston, today. Um, Mike is currently the Director of Campus Ministries at Friends University. He was on staff here at Eastminster for eight and a half years in student ministries. He and his wife, Kelsey, have three children. They are still members of this church, still participating. And Mike, it is a joy to have you back. Thank you. Wow. It's great to have an opportunity. I almost knocked this off. That would have been a bad start. Where do I put this? I use my hands a lot, Mike. That would be bad. Okay. It's great to be here. I'm so grateful for an opportunity to preach at the beginning of Advent. We're going to start with our scripture reading in Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 25. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Again, it's so great to be here. The question I receive most often when coming to church is, how's it going at Friends? 
And while I have you all here, let me just say it is going great. I so appreciate prayers and support um, that I've received from this church. It's been a blessing. And I do miss the students, the student ministry, the staff here. Um, but I do firmly believe God has called me to friends for a purpose and we are seeing the first fruits of that purpose and I hope to continue to share the good news uh, my time there. One of the opportunities of doing ministry on Friends Campus that's a little different than my time here was the diversity of students. I work with a lot of students that come from different backgrounds, different faith backgrounds. In fact, I have a group of student leaders uh, that are in charge of doing uh, Bible studies and things on campus. And I remember mentioning that I was going to be, uh, we were going to be working on this Advent devotional. And one of the students, an amazing young man, goes, What's Advent? And it struck me. From his tradition, that was not a term that was used. And so, not wanting to assume anything, I appreciate what Pastor Mike said, but Advent is the season in, in the Christian calendar where people around the world join it together in preparing their hearts for God's coming, the arrival of God to earth. Also acknowledging that God's coming is in two phases, Jesus coming in the nativity story, but also the future coming of Jesus when he comes back and restores the world and makes all things new. And so in this season, we are invited as a people to participate in traditions to help us embody the mystery and hope of the Christmas story and also point us to a future when Jesus returns. And so as we begin this season, I'm gonna turn our attention to this story in Luke chapter one. This is a little bit interesting because of the four gospels, Luke's the only one that includes this story. It's a story of God's faithfulness to a, a rather ordinary, devoted Jewish couple who eventually give birth to John the Baptist. And while there's a lot we could dig out of this story, I'm gonna zero in on one specific detail. I'm starting with the story because I believe it invites us into a specific discipline that is very timely in our world today. After 400 years of silence, God speaks through his angel, Gabriel. This is the announcement of John the Baptist's birth who will prepare the way for Jesus. And I'm gonna be upfront. I think this is one of the funniest stories in the Bible. Let me explain what I mean. You've got Zechariah, priest. He comes in from outside of town to do his priestly duties. And the angel Gabriel shows up with the message. After getting past the initial shock of it all, he hears what Gabriel has to say, and then he questions the angel. Now we know from other biblical accounts, this usually doesn't go well. He questions him, and this is where it takes a turn. In this circumstance, the, the angel silences Zechariah. 
It says, you will no longer speak. And then you have this scene at the temple. You see the worshipers are outside. They're waiting for Zechariah to come out and explain what is going on in the temple, but Zechariah's not coming. I just imagine the worship leader as, as his leading worship is like, okay, we're gonna sing that song one more time, trying to buy time before Zechariah comes back. He's wondering, what do we do? And finally, you imagine, I, I just picture Zechariah like white as a ghost comes stumbling out of the temple. And the people are like, thank goodness, we can finally understand what is going on. Zechariah, please tell us what went on in there. And Zechariah goes, three words. First, you have the first recorded game of charades. After he's done playing charades, people sort of get the picture, he cannot talk. He goes home and Gabriel's words come true. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And for the entire pregnancy, Zechariah's mouth is zipped. Some of you who have maybe been pregnant before are going, how lucky was Elizabeth? (laughs) What is this story asking of us? And why do we begin with this at the beginning of Advent? Two days ago, we were putting up our Christmas tree after Thanksgiving. We had kind of a a rocky Thanksgiving, but it's always a fun uh, tradition to put up the tree and now with three kids to have them help with ornaments. And for those of you who have this, um, these experiences, you know this is a magical time where kids just become angels. They do not fight. They always share the ornaments. There is no crying. There's no hitting. There's no biting that takes place. Yeah, no one's buying that. Um, it is chaos. I remember we're putting up this tree and we've got music playing, Christmas music playing, and then my, my three-year-old daughter goes over to our piano and starts, uh, there's a button that can play more music. So now we have two different songs going on that are clashing. But not to be outdone, my son goes over to our Alexa speaker and he goes, hey Alexa, turn the volume to 100. And at this point, our ears are bleeding as Mariah Carey shares with the entire neighborhood all she wants for Christmas this year. It was chaos and crazy and loud and noisy. And this is just one instance, but I think this represents the reality of our world, especially around the holiday season around Christmas time. We live in a noisy, loud, frenetic, chaotic world. And so what I wonder is if what happened to Zechariah may in a way teach us something. One, yes, maybe to speak less, but in a grander scale, in a bigger, in a bigger picture, to, to recover something that I believe is almost extinct in the world today. Silence. We've been in a series about listening this fall. And so here's the question I am, I am wrestling with today. How may the discipline of silence help us hear God's voice in this Advent season. Now, 
spoke on this story before, and I remember wanting to really get into the mind of Zechariah. I wanted to understand, what is this like to go this long without speaking? So I didn't go nine months, but I decided I was going to go a day without speaking. I was going to do a little experiment. So I asked Kelsey, my wife, I was like, hey, is this okay? We have three kids. This could be kind of crazy. She's like, no, go for it. Let me tell you how it went. For every person in my life, they all responded differently. First off, I went into my son's room to wake him up one morning. And within 10 seconds, he was in tears. He was wondering, dad, why are you not saying anything? And finally, like within, this is within minutes of starting the day, I had to like break it and go, hey buddy, I'm playing a fun game, right? I'm just not gonna talk. And he goes, I don't like this game. Sorry, all right, buddy. So we kind of had a little agreement that I could talk to my son. My daughter, three-year-old daughter, I go to pick her up from preschool. Um, and I remember getting out of the car, going, grabbing her, putting her in the car seat, getting all the way home. She was speaking the entire time. She didn't realize anything was different. It was great. She's just like, yeah, this is like normal. The best moment that really cracked me up was when I was at work and I was trying, I needed, I had a question that I was going to ask Kelsey about childcare, who's going to pick up, who, what time. And so just instinctively, pull out my cell phone, and I call her. I'm going to let you think about that for a second. I call her on the telephone. She, without missing a beat, she doesn't even say hello. She just goes, so how's this going to work? <laughs> Thought about it. Hung up the phone and sent her a text, all right? It was crazy, funny. I had all these moments but I, will, I reflect back, it was actually a life-changing experience for me. I experienced the world in a completely new way. I realized I was not a great listener before because there's something that happens when you're listening to someone, when you're always trying to think of what you want to add to a conversation. And when you take away that element, it's amazing how much more you can pick up on. I experienced God in a new way. I was more present to the moment in front of me. The crazy thing is I made it, I barely made it one day. Zechariah went nine months. So with this in mind, I wanna ask you to just reflect for a moment. I'm gonna put up a few questions. And I want you to just think about this. How noisy is your life right now? Do you like to fill silences with sound or with learning, such as podcasts, TV, sports radio, news, etc.? And lastly, do you think there's a connection between the amount of noise in our lives and our inability to hear God? In my opinion, I absolutely do think that is a, there is a large connection between our crazy, noisy lives and our inability to hear God. Um, this last summer, as I was transitioning from the student's role here to, to friends, uh, I got to do one last summer retreat and I wanted to make sure that I ended well. And so I thought a lot about my final message to the students. I decided uh, 
partly I wanted to teach a little bit about some of the things I'm mentioning now, um, but I also really wanted to think about exactly what I was going to say. And so I did something a little crazy. My last message to the students on the retreat was done completely in silence. I had a PowerPoint of 175 slides where I wrote out my message. And for 45 minutes, over 100 high schoolers sat in silence as we went through this message. It was a modern day miracle, honestly. It was really powerful though, because at first people were kind of like, what is going on? How is this gonna work? You could tell people were shifting in their seats. Like the silence was uncomfortable. We were not used to it. But after about 30 minutes, we had settled in. We were present with one another. We were present to the activity, the presence of God. And I remember as we were there, we're all in this quiet. We're just together. I play this sound. your blood pressure right now. I almost had a riot in my hands when I played that. We went from this peaceful, beautiful moment to just destroying it. One writer in the New York Times said, we are moving from the age of information to the age of interruption. And I, and I would you know, suggest, I think we're pretty quick to point to young people to point fingers at them in their phone usage, but if we're honest, we all contribute a little bit. Why is that? Why do we so often go to this mode of noise, of interruption, chaos? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about silence. He said, we are so afraid of silence that we chase ourselves from one event to the next in order not to have to spend a moment alone with ourselves, in order not to have to look at ourselves in the mirror. And here's my point. You see, I would suggest that the amount of noise in our life represents a deeper issue and a deeper reality. We fill our lives with noise because noise means we are busy, we are productive, we are efficient, we are getting things done. Silence challenges productivity in our mindset. I think we often mistake busyness as fullness. Busyness oftentimes is just works righteousness disguised as productivity. But fullness, 
fullness comes from a life with God, one in which we are becoming like Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did. And if we have read our Bibles, we know that one of the most common things Jesus did is get away from the ministry, the productivity, the disciples, to be quiet, to be alone with the Father so he could hear the Father's voice. You know, in this story of Zechariah, while having his mouth shut was a punishment, we can't miss the ending. I'm gonna skip down to Luke 1, verses 62 through 64. Here's what happens at the end of this pregnancy. Then they made signs to to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Right, this is uh, going to be John the Baptist is born here. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. The first thing that comes out of his mouth after nine months of silence is worship. It's praise. It's not cursing God. It's not, how could you do this? After nine months, he goes, thank you, God. Silence led to a greater love and devotion to God. And I wonder if our culture, and especially the church, needs a little bit more of that today. During my speechless experiment, I always remember one particular story. I had scheduled to play tennis with a close friend of mine on that day, uh, way back. And so I I called him the night before and I was like, hey, this is gonna be a little weird. Um, I'm doing this experiment. Is that okay? And he's like, oh yeah, great. I'm like, all right, you're gonna have to call out the score every time. He's like, yeah, I got it, cool. And I remember as we first had our encounter together, it was funny, he was kind of joking and he was kind of giving me some friendly trash talk as we started playing tennis and he knew I couldn't come back. So he was just teasing me. But it was interesting because as we played tennis, all right, in the middle of Wichita Country Club, we, there was this like progression that took place. First it was kind of teasing, joking. Then it was just, he was just filling the silence with stories or comments. Then it kind of became this, this session of like advice. And finally, he kind of gave in to the silence for a bit. It was, it was about 20 minutes where we simply just played. And then, at the end, he comes up to the net and he goes, Mike, don't let me forget to tell you the story of my grandma. I'm like, okay. We finished playing. We're se- seated on a bench. We're all sweaty and gross from this tennis. And, and there he, he begins to tell this really profound story. His grandma had essentially raised him and they were extremely close. Closest of, of the entire family was this, this grandma's grandson. And near the end of this grandma's life, she had a stroke. The stroke caused her to not be able to speak. When this happened, for the last remaining time of her life, my friend became her mouthpiece. When people had questions, when the doctors needed something, she would look to him to answer. He remembers one moment where he walks into uh, the, the hospital and she's there and there's a doctor there. He's coming in from work. He's in a suit and the doctor is confused and asks her, who is this? Is this a lawyer? Like, why is this person here? And all she does is point 
violently, really aggressively at my friend. He points and the doctor's like, what? And he goes, I know, second she did that, I knew exactly what she was doing. She was bragging. She's going, that's my grandson. He is an amazing man. He has an incredible family. He works at a bank. He loves me and I love him. I am so proud of my grandson. I'm just sitting there and he's telling me this story. I look over at him after he shares this and he's wiping tears from his eyes. And then kind of offhandedly he goes, I've never really told that story to anyone. That conversation, that story, that was a gift. But I don't think we get there on any normal day where we're just bantering back and forth in shallow conversation. Somehow silence opened up a new level of depth and trust and vulnerability. Do we have enough silence in our life to hear the voice of God. Zechariah wasn't given a choice, but we have. We can choose to resist our noisy world. How may that look? That's up to you. There's many things that we can do. Maybe, maybe you decide in this Advent season you're going to go on a walk every day, but instead of normally listening to that podcast or putting on the AirPods, you decide, I'm going to walk in silence and just pay attention to what God may be speaking to me. Maybe it's occasionally turning off all the devices in the home and just being present with those around you. Maybe Maybe it's choosing to hold back your own opinions, your own achievements, your own thoughts on matters and letting others who maybe don't have a voice at the table as often have their word. Maybe it's only watching 20 Hallmark movies instead of 40 this year. Whatever it is, as we begin this Advent season, I encourage you to listen to the voice of God by finding these moments of silence because God does still speak to his children. As I was praying about this message, I felt one last thing from the Lord. If, if we're honest, some of you may be afraid to hear from God. I was talking with an elder who said, a God who talks back can be terrifying. Sometimes the noise is more comfortable. And so if you've been in a season of resisting God's voice, perhaps through noise or activity or whatever it may be, let me just remind you, God's voice is much more loving and gracious and compassionate and gentle than you probably expect. His voice is far less angry than maybe you remember it to be or think that it should sound like. Like Elizabeth, I think God wants to remind you in this season that his favor is on you and that he loves you. 
And sure, in his love, he may reveal some places in your life that he thinks that maybe you're withholding from him, but that's because he wants the best for you. And he is so, so patient. As we wrapped up our conversation, my friend recalled one last memory of his grandma. And it was, one, it was moments before she passed away. She told him with a sign, I'm going to die. And then he put, she put, he gra- she grabbed his hand and put it on her chest. And he knew exactly what that meant. She loved him. And she knew that her character, her spirit almost would live on through him. And when I heard that, I thought, huh, kind of resembles another story. A story where the God of the universe says to his people, I am coming to you. And eventually I am going to die and you will take on my character. My spirit will be in you, but my death will not be the last word. In fact, I will overcome death and bring salvation to the world. One day I will make all things right, but until then, you will be my voice in the the world. You will represent me, and surely I will be with you always. May we hear the voice of God this Advent season as we resist the noisy world around us, and in doing so, be reminded of the God who says, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for a chance to reflect on this story as we prepare for Advent. God, there's so much good that goes on in this season. And there are so many ways we can lean into your story. God, help us to remember that one of those ways is to not do anything at all, but to just listen, to be quiet before you. May we not be distracted by all the things of this world, but be present to you and your activity and your spirit moving in us and around us and working through us. Pray this in Christ's name, amen.